Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. everyone and welcome to episode 103 of Midnight Poppyland and we're here with Laura and Shirin Cesar. Cesar, Cesar. Hey. All right so we started off the episode with what I wasn't something I did not think was going to necessarily show up in in Midnight Poppyland because we were wondering if the ghost was like Torah pulling a prank or if it was actually a ghost. Turns out I think it's actually a ghost because she's like the writing's still there and she says it says go but Torah verified that we're the only ones in the house. And we hear, we have like a little flashback. She's like, where Torah's like, someone's living in the walls, the F. Because he's like, see, told you there's no one else in here. You move us to a new group immediately at the sign of a, first sign of a threat. And Poppy's like, which means it's really a ghost. So I don't know. It's funny. I didn't think there was going to be a ghost. Did you think it would be a real ghost? No. No? What do you guys think it was? I always think it's, really strange when you have a webtoon that is or like any story that feels very rooted in reality for the most part I mean we're we're very deep in and it's um it's it was surprising to me to add like a supernatural element so I'm curious to see like how far we're gonna go with it um I mean given like Torah's background I know people were saying that maybe because of his like ancestry he has like this ability to see ghosts I was pretty surprised by it yeah same um I I'm still not totally convinced it is a ghost I'm I'm still waiting for it to be like I don't know Quincy sleepwalking or something <laughs> like I, I don't know or I don't know yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, we'll see where it goes yeah so part of me wonders if it's a little bit more ghosts are a little bit more ingrained in like Asian culture. Um, because especially what she says next, you know, she's a little nervous. She's like, come on, we could do this. And she runs away and she says, as granny always used to say, whenever a forest spirit drifted into our house, ghosts are scary, but the heart of man is worse, which is actually an amazing line. I mean, it's very profound, but it just indicates that in Poppy's culture, ghosts are normal, like ghosts and spirits are normal. The fact that they automatically know what to do, yeah. they're like, oh, they have a whole ritual where they serve it, you know, they give it food. So the way that she's growing up in her atmosphere, it's like, yeah, this is just part of life. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point about like, it's not necessarily confirming that supernatural elements or like ghosts are real in this story, but the belief is real. And I mean, we have plenty of people in our world that, you know, not only believe, for example, in witchcraft, but like practice it, whereas other people completely think it's rubbish, you know, and, and don't believe in it at all. And it's the same with like so many different things where people just like kind of, you know, brush it off. But, you know, as they always do with like fairies, people believing in something already makes it a little bit real. <laughs> right. I grew up in a culture that was very, that believed in like demons. It wasn't like a big part of the culture, but there's like certain, because Jewish law becomes um, a little bit ossified, like fossilized. So there's laws from like... Oh. oh, sorry, I missed that. What was that, Mindy? No, I think it froze. So I, I think I was talking and I didn't hear you guys talking. Okay, sorry, you were saying. Oh, part of it. So um, 
I'm trying to organize my thoughts. Okay, so Granny used to say, like, whenever a forest spirit would drift into our house. So, like, that sounds kind of, like, welcoming, like, not super foreboding. You know, hmm. just like a forest spirit, kind of benevolent, maybe. <laughs> okay, sorry, you were saying the forest spirit. <laughs> yeah, um, I would guess that the forest spirits are a little bit more, like, positive and welcoming. But maybe what makes this more scary for Poppy right now is the message that if the spirit left, go. Like, the spirit doesn't want them there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious. I feel like it has to have some kind of significance or you wouldn't be spending so much time on it, you know? Because right. it's been a few episodes where it kind of keeps coming back. Like, it didn't need to resurface in this episode. So I feel like maybe the confirmation that she's like, oh, so it really is a ghost. Maybe that was also Lily telling all of her skeptic readers, like, yes, it's a ghost. <laughs> it could also be. And it could be. And it could a, be. Oh, go on. Maybe it's a red herring and it's really something, you know, sneaky and mafia-ish and, you know, ominous. And like, Lily was just trying to make us think it's not. Could be. I wonder if it's connected to the end of the episode when we're talking about Louise. Okay. When we get there, you should circle back to this and explain more. Okay. Okay. So she slides the door shut. She kind of runs past it because she's terrified. And, you know, we still see their fancy, bougie offering over there. (laughs) And she's in her room. She's like, yeah, inside. So she's terrified. And she's like, it's safe in here, right? And then she's like, wait a minute. Was I always this neurotic? I think I'm a little stressed out. I'll do some yoga stretches before I take a bath. Which is, you know... uh, it's nice that she's self-aware enough, right? Like when you, I think a big part of growing up is, you know, that you can't get rid of all your stress, but you can control your reaction to stress a little bit better. So she knows what to do. She identifies it and then she knows what to do to calm herself down. Yeah. Now we have a funny flashback where we say, Quincy's probably still in the shower anyway. And she's like, uh, Quincy's, you know, they're talking about showering and, and he's like, uh, sure, you want me to go first? You might want to expect 20 minute delay. And Toro is brushing his teeth. He's like, just jack off in the bathroom for F's sake. And poor Quincy, like running away, blushing and eyes his face with the towel. He's like, oh my gosh, you have a frick. I hate you. That is oh. so typical, like teenager brothers. You know, it's like, oh my God, how could you do this to me? You ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy. So that, that's a little humiliating. Tora's just stretched out and Poppy's like, it's okay, Quincy. I'm sure almost every man does that. Or remember to clean up after use. Oh. Oh and like, God. yeah, Quincy totally confirmed that that's what he was planning on doing with his reaction. <laughs> I was yeah, surprised by be- the reaction. I know. Yeah, he was trying to like dance around it, but Tora immediately called him out. <laughs> So it's like, don't bring it up. Like, just take a long shower. Don't imply yeah. what you're going to do in there if you don't want people to comment on it, you know? <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> right. And yeah, for someone who's so like, I don't know, like a, you know, uh, what's the word again? Esteemy writer. It's just mm. funny that he's, he's pretty, he's pretty open otherwise. So now he's embarrassed. Maybe he's because yeah. of poppy and like now he has a little bit of a, crush or attraction to poppy and now now it's already embarrassing he needs to check himself probably you know the shower might help him with some of the pent-up 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, he's, he's, he's someone who implies that he has a lot of sex, but we haven't, we've only seen it with, like, Cordy and, and the bar person, right? And he doesn't have a steady partner that we know of. So, you know, and he's a young guy and this is an attractive girl living in the same house with him. Like, you know, it's, I can see it being difficult. <laughs> yeah, he, he needs a, a partner. <laughs> and Tora is like, after Poppy says, oh, it's okay. And he grabs her head and turns it. And he's like, and how would you know? Spoking, seen it before. Oh. So Tora making embarrassing statements and she runs away. She's like, so what did I have? I'm a nerd, not a nun. <laughs> and it's like, although it was on a computer, no thanks to Danny and Belle. She's like, of course, who showed her her lustful cousins? Yeah. That's so interesting too. Like, who watches porn of people jacking off in the shower? Like, it's such a strange brand of porn. I have not searched for that, so I do not know what exists out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit. Remember in Let's Play, um, Sam's friends are like, you're watching porn now. <laughs> They're like, well, you need an education. So, like, you know, actually, I was like, not sure if I should bring up a different webtoon, but the entering or like adding supernatural elements late into the game, it really reminded me of Let's Play, where like suddenly I remember being on the podcast and we're like wondering if Vicky's thing uh, is like an actual supernatural power suddenly or what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Same, same idea. <laughs> so now Tora is outside and he's smoking so he's stressed he sighs and we have a beautiful view the stars and the compound and he says it's lonely at the top of the pecking order when he laughs and he's like troll level bought him an elite <laughs> so, uh, i thought did he mean like he's at the top of the pecking order because he's like making fun of everyone i think so yeah and he's the only one, like, not getting flustered by all of the sexy talk. Yeah, interesting. Um, Angela Elizabeth uh, Gastaldo pointed out how she kind of compared Tora to a mother hen, because there's this time when he, there's a couple times where I like to see him in that hen outfit, and, like, he takes care of the thuglets, it's kind of like a mother hen. So she pointed out that him pulling himself top of the pecking order was tied yes. into that. You know, the whole thing about the thuglets, it's throwing me off, or, like, it's not throwing me off, but what I noticed reading this one, where it is really like kind of confirmed that this dynamic between Tor and the Thuglets that we've all had canoned is like quite canon, you know, it's accurate. When they were at the party, like last week or whenever it was, Damien had to tell Tora his name. Mm. And Tora was like, oh, like, did it hurt your feelings? It felt very like he didn't know him right and then when they were in Moonbright it was like lifelong buddies they have a fan club and I just remembered that this time because Moonbright was like hey and I was like wait a second he was so rude to Damien though like he didn't even know him and that was a good day for Tora like he was excited to see Poppy so it's a strange dynamic he's got going on with all of them honestly it could also be that because you know, in the comic, like you said, it takes like a week or two in between these things, yeah. but because it's been like a year in between the, like that incident and this incident, maybe like honestly, Lily just forgot or like 
it's hard to keep the tone. Yeah, for sure. Or it could be that they're so comfortable with each other that like Taurus, like, do I, I know who you are. Did I hurt your feelings? Do, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, it could just be like, what are you doing? Why are you explaining yourself to me? Maybe he also gets more intense when it's a bit about a job because he was asking people to like check out the club and he's like, okay, listen, we're not messing around now. Like you do your thing. Could also be. Yeah, and it's funny because I want to go back and reread it. (laughs) So now Poppy is sitting to herself. She's doing some stretches in her room and she thinks it's one thing to be weary of a rich and famous like Vincent Baltimore, but if it's a regular everyday person on the streets like Gil, how could any of us have known? She's stretching. She's like, in hindsight, the three of us might have been safe because Tori and Quincy were always around. But what about, and now she pauses. She's like, what about, bum, bum. and then she calls Jacob. Ring, ring, click. Hey, Pops, how's it going? You good over there? Oh, I guess he's here with me. And she asks the Q, uh, Q and crew. And Jacob responds, perfect, I see they've already told you. Saves me ex- the explanation when I'm confused. It's like myself, hey, my phone! <laughs> and then Q's on the phone. Yo, guess what, Miss Pop Pop? I'm on vacation today, woo-woo! <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the background, uh, that's Damien, right, in the background? No. Uh, no. I thought oh, that was Brian. No, that's Brian. Yeah, that's Brian, because Damien is pink hair. So Brian in the background, hey, Jake, Jake, we need more beer over here, man. And then you. No, we want to know how long your stockings are, Miss Pip, uh, Poppy. Okay, what does that wrong. mean? That's mean. I think it's like. What does it mean how long your stockings are? Am I like? I didn't understand that either. Like he was calling like fifty long stockings. But... Yeah, I think so. Pip, because his name is Poppy, so he's like fifty long stockings. Oh. I don't think it's yeah. particularly funny, but he sounds drunk. <laughs> oh, he's oh. very funny. <laughs> he's very drunk. I meant to say, not very funny. <laughs> In his head, he's very funny. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm glad that we all didn't get it. So it's probably just because he's <laughs> drunk and silly. Yeah, makes sense. Like one of those, uh, you know, like you're high and you like have all these spiritual epiphanies that make no sense at all to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Jacob continues, my phone, I'm getting your big bro chart to come right back to the city. And then we see Poppy thinking to herself, Gosh, I guess this explains why Tora always looks like a worn-out mother of 12, poor man. (laughs) Trying hard not to laugh at someone else's misfortune. (laughs) Holding back the laughter, she's sweating a little bit. Yeah. So funny. Okay, I'm back. Oh my gosh, those little punks. Sounds exactly like how Tora calls them. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and Poppy says, Bah, you'd make a pretty good nanny, Jacob. I'm safe, so don't worry about me. I actually called to ask about something else. Um, so Jacob's like, Oh crap, this reminds me. I have something to tell you too, but what did you want to ask? Uh, Poppy says, Okay, I'll go first. Um, and then we see Tora as Poppy is walking out. Is she walking outside? Looks like she's walking outside to talk to Jacob. And then mm. we see Tora in the next frame looking over some papers. Um, he looks very um what's the word absorbed in whatever he's looking at then we see Tora and as Tora's looking down um the background I think is interesting maybe just because it's like nighttime it's dark outside but like Mm. I don't know 
it seems kind of ominous his background so he's like really absorbed in whatever his mafia work is mm-hmm. and then Poppy yeah. comes in um and it's back to like the room behind him is the background so he's pulled to the present moment back to reality sorry to interrupt and he says weren't you going to bed early and she says i was and i'm sorry to bother you at this hour but do you happen to have any information on louise she looks really worried did you know immediately at this point who this was about no no i thought it was like another someone else that worked with them or i don't know a friend like i actually thought it was maybe um jacob's girlfriend before i remember her name was like meg yeah her name was like megan or something yeah i had a hunch then i was like we don't know her name like <laughs> what did she say it but i had like a bit of a hunch because it was just like there's no one else that Jacob and she would know about basically that we would also know about that wouldn't just come completely out of left field that's smart to connect the two Mm. I did not make that connection (laughs) I have my moments and then I have moments like with the stockings so (laughs) (laughs) um Tori looks a little uh like he's still processing what's happening he just is staring at her like what (laughs) um and there's a panel of uh, his hand just holding the papers, whatever. But we don't see any writing on the papers. It's just blank. So I, I don't know what the of that is. I'm kind of assuming that the papers are actually, like, we're supposed to infer that they have writing on them. But um, Lily's just not showing us because any paper that he's been perusing has been blank. So I think that, uh, you know, she's not just not bothering you to put something yeah. in. But I think he's uh-huh. a reading, you know, talking. Like, he's just pausing and, like, looking at the papers because he doesn't want to really answer. Yeah, because he lets her go on for a long time after this. Like, she's like, hey, do you have any information on Louise? And he'd be like, yeah, she's dead. But no, this goes on for a long time, this conversation, before he says anything mm-hmm. about, like, about that. I think that's part of his mafia training. Like, what do you know? Yeah. Like, what are you actually asking me? Because he doesn't want to just give away information. Smart, um, yeah. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't want to put Poppy in danger. And he doesn't want to tell her too much to freak her out. And he might not know what exactly she's talking about either. So he's just waiting for her to Yeah. Come. Yeah. So, um, Poppy says, Louise is Gil's wife. And, and Tor says, I know who she is. I said, great, I figured you would. I mean, I kind of figured since you've been doing research work on Gil, I mean, I'm not accusing you of anything, by the way, and this isn't a test to see how truthful you'll be either. I totally get there's not, uh, there's a line you need to draw for work and information that you need to withhold, and I'm, I'm making this more awkward than it should be, aren't I? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It seems like she's still awkward because she's still not talking to him, quote, quote. And, and, you know, the last time they had this whole discussion, like, she knows that he gets very stressed out with, with work things and, you know, uh, that he wasn't telling, right? He, she's angry at him because he withheld information from her that was related to his work. So I think that's why she's so sensitive about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but again, he's just letting her kind of, like, rattle on mm-hmm. and just taking it all in and taking a moment to just think and have his thoughts. Yeah. And then right- Oh, sorry, what? No, I just agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, he asks, what's going on with Gil's wife? 
Wait, I do want to point out the panel just before that where he like he looks so guilty as he looks sideways. And I didn't catch this properly when I was first reading it because I didn't know what he was probably thinking about. But it's definitely like uh like you can tell he's holding out on her here. He's kind of like yeah, he's kind of just like like maybe like you said, just waiting to see what she says, but he's definitely he knows he could be saying something and he's not. Mm-hmm. Yep, I concur. Yeah. Yeah, again, the background is dark. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we see the binder full of paper and stuff that he was looking through. I wonder if this is like all related to Gil. I wonder if that's why he was at first. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's also uh, interesting, though, that there is so much of a focus on the papers, you know, like, even though they're blank, we've been shown them many times. Mm-hmm. So it did, I, like, I don't know, I, I did wonder. I wonder also if it could just be, like, um, they're not making eye contact with each other right now, so they yeah. keep looking, to, like, maybe they're both looking at the papers mm-hmm. just as a way to, like, I don't know, keep the conversation going, but not have to confront each other like full face yeah so it's like their point of view basically Uh uh-huh yep because then poppy comes out and says it well well she's she's missing it's very contemplative yeah i don't remember where where we're switching but uh but a flashback Okay. Yeah, so you, you got a few more. <laughs> okay. But he's like, missing? And he's surprised. He seems like he's kind of surprised by this. Yeah, I think, I wonder why he's surprised. Like, he should know. So I think maybe he's surprised that people haven't realized she's dead yet. Yeah. Well, he wasn't there when she was dead, right? He, Tora overheard her talking to her unborn child and then left. So he wasn't there when Gail killed her. Not, not that we have seen at least yeah right yeah. so i mean yeah so until we get to the last line i guess when we get to the last line we could we could see what we think about that <laughs> yeah yeah maybe so he was I- expecting her to say then. that she might be dead and so he's like wait i thought like maybe he was waiting for her to say it instead of him having to say it mm-hmm. so when she says missing he's like oh we're not on the same page Hmm. Oh, could be. Yeah. Could be. Um, so Poppy nods and says, mm-hmm. I know this has nothing to do with you, but if you do have information on her, then maybe, maybe we could do an anonymous tip-off or something. Or maybe we... And then Tora said, you found out from the cops? No, not from the cops. Um... I wonder why do you think he asks where she got the information? Maybe, maybe he's like felt like maybe she was talking to them behind his back. Oh, right, because that's the first thing. Remember, way way back, he was so offended that she called the cops on him, and mm-hmm. that was a major break in their trust. And so that's kind of like a repeat of that. Yeah, and I can imagine like so. 
from what he says in the end, we know that he either has or at least thinks he killed her slash is responsible for her death. We'll discuss this, I'm sure. Maybe, so she's coming in here. She's really concerned. She's like blabbering off at him. Meanwhile, in his, the back of his head, he's like, the wife is dead. Poppy's really concerned about this. She thinks she's missing. Maybe he is like feeling defensive, you know? Because as the conversation goes on, maybe he's like, okay, I'm going to have to tell her. So maybe he's on the defense and he's feeling like, I don't know, like you can reach as far as you want. It could even be that he's like trying to pick a fight, you know, because he's like getting antsy about it or whatever. But um, I, yeah, I also think it could be like a mafia thing. He just wants to make sure who is she talking to? Where is this information coming from? Maybe he wanted to get the picture right in his head first before going out and saying something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is too, if if Poppy would like, going into crazy theory here if poppy would be like wearing a wire because she's been talking to the cops and he would say yeah i killed her that would be a big problem so maybe he's just trying to like stump her and be like you know i don't think that he mistrusts her to that level but maybe if we're going with the thing of him being like on his mafia thing it could all be things that he just has to make sure of Mm. i'm just throwing theories out here you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought it might along the lines of what you were saying is that he wants to know if the cops know then he has to worry about their involvement because right now like okay so the cops know that Gil bounced town and that he owes people a lot of money but he wants to know like okay do they know this also because he's been trying to investigate himself he wants to see what they know so just Mm. reconnaissance Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. So Poppy says, no, not from the cops. I had a bad feeling about this moments ago when I was in my room, so I called Jacob and asked about the cops who came by on Monday, the ones I texted you about on our way here. Remember? Okay. So we're in the flashback in the van as they're driving to the new safe house, and Poppy's technically not talking to Tora because she's in the back with her headphones on. I forgot that detail. (laughs) That's why she was texting him, not talking to him. Yeah, yeah. It's very literal, Poppy. <laughs> yeah, she's funny. So we see her text. It says, cops came to the office earlier today. They told Jacob and Ardeen that Gil's missing, in case that's of any significance to you, dot, dot, dot. And then we see Tora as he's driving, bad manners, sir. He looks at the phone um, and he peeps like towards the back of the van where she's sitting and she's like <laughs> feeling caught, you know, she gasps because she's not talking to him. So she quickly like looks back and like starts shuffling in her bag and she's blushing furiously with her headphones in and that's already the end of the flashback mm-hmm. um yeah it's, mm-hmm. it turns out it's really hard not to talk to someone <laughs> yeah especially i mean this is really vital information that they kind of have to share about so yeah it makes sense you know um so poppy says so Jacob said that he didn't hear anything about Louise from the cops, which is bolded again, but he did hear from her niece. And Tora's still like sitting with his arms folded up and like a little bit turned away from her. And she says, she found his contact info and sent him a DM today asking about Louise. And he sent me a screenshot of the DM. Here, you can have a look. Um, beautiful close-up of Tora's face, looking some kind of intense way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, she says he was going to tell us about it but got distracted when you and the crew arrived 
but I told him to let us know immediately if it concerns Gil, and, and he made a promise to do so next time. And here it says specifically that she's nervous. Mm-hmm. I think maybe she's worried that Tora is going to be upset that the information is coming so late when it's maybe been there for like a weekend or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tora is scrolling through the message and it says, hi, Jacob, this is Lara. I'm the niece of Louise Hubertson, who is Gil Hubertson's wife. Gil is also the CEO of Giant Goldfish Publishing, where I believe you're currently employed at as listed on the company's link on page. I apologize for the abrupt DM, but this is somewhat urgent as it concerns the possible disappearance of my aunt, Louise. And then we're like, really scrolled in. Um, Has been trying to contact her. I guess my dad, Aunt Louise's older brother, has been trying to contact her since last week, but her line has been engaged all throughout. We're starting to get worried because because Aunt Louise has no... Wait, what? (laughs) Because... A, Louise, has never to change numbers without informing us. But we live too far away to be sure that this is a missing person situation. So we're hoping to see, and then we don't see anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. um, and he pauses at this point because and he apparently has made up his mind. Oh, sorry. I'm just noticing, I didn't really pay attention to the, like, kind of blurred out text before, but at mm-hmm. the very, very top line, it says, my grandmother's birthday is coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh. So sad. Yeah. No. But I wonder how much longer they would have not contacted Louise, like, how much longer it would have gone on if something like that hadn't mm-hmm. come up and her brother, and, or Louise's brother wasn't trying to contact her. Yeah. Also, I have to say the name kind of stood out to me, like Hubertson. It's very Scandinavian. Oh, yeah? Last name. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should look up if if Shark is also a Scandinavian name (laughs) to see if they're related. (laughs) Shark, last name. Origin. Do we know his first name, actually? Shark? Yeah, that's a question. I don't know. Shark, shark. Nothing really. Sure. Sorry, I don't remember if we know his first name. Yeah, because I, I know we know Claude Claude Lang. Like we know his full name. In America, there are only twelve shark people in Iowa. Maybe his name is Shark Hubertson, <laughs> which is an awful name. Yes. I barely see. Any, I don't really see any results for sure. Okay, maybe it's just a made-up name, or it could That's be like German, but, it could yeah. be a mafia name as well. Mm, yeah. Um. Dark jellyfish. Yeah. No. <laughs> basically, Torah pauses after reading this. Um. And Poppy says the situation is probably as foreign to him as it is for me. So, Torah interrupts her and says she's not missing Poppylin. Uh-oh. he's dead why do you think now he's telling her uh, I think emotionally like the guilt is just weighing down on him and now he feels like it now she's prattling on him yeah like he did wait a while I think just to like maybe to feel like to know that he couldn't get himself out of it like he had to give an answer and now that he knows like okay it's final and also I guess that he sees like verification because mm-hmm. like, I think 
um, that he wasn't sure what happened to her. And now that he sees this text, he's like, okay, this is guilt killed her. And now he feels the guilt weighing coming out. But he doesn't say that guilt killed her, though. He doesn't, which is very bad communication on his part. Right? So Poppy stares at him. You see just the panel. His eyes are dark. He's still looking at the phone. They're completely blacked out, actually, his eyes. Mm -hmm. And then, wait a minute. My fiance is just cutting out much my like annoy the audio on this very high tension moment. Um, Poppy says she's what, and then he says she's dead. Pops, which again he's calling her pops. It's been like a thing recently. Um, he looks really sad now, and then he bows down over the table in defeat or something, and he says she's dead and I killed her. Okay, raise your hand if you think he actually killed her. This is my hand going down. <laughs> so I don't think so, but I am open to the possibility. Okay. I'm keeping my heart open to the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, oh, hello, fiance, who just said, <laughs> who just <laughs> I think that based on the episodes like what, 82 and something else, I forgot what else. Um, remember when you know she's talking to her baby in 82 and then she's like oh you know Gil please be okay and then um, Gil later on when he you know he's like oh the bodies well, she's really starting to stink and then he steps on the dinosaur and he's like oh you know this must have gotten you know fallen down in a scuffle so I think the scuffle is him like strangling his wife probably and yeah so it's implied but yes we don't know for sure what happens I forgot that he said the thing about the scuffle. I forgot that because that makes him like that. Yeah, that reconfirms the guilt, the guilt thing. I, theoretically, yeah, he could have paid Tora or paid anybody to come kill his wife, and that's the scuffle. But it sounds like it's like I don't know. It just sounds like it was him who did it. Um, Do you think there was a scuffle between like the three of them? I think it was just him murdering his own wife. So, and we do know that, you know, Tora, after he heard uh, Louise talking to her baby, he jumped out the window. So, which doesn't mean he couldn't have come back at some point. Right, exactly. He could have come back. He could have been witness to Gil killing her and not stopping her, him. But I don't, I feel like if Gil was there, uh, sorry, if Tora was there, he would have stopped her. Sorry, he would have stopped him from killing his wife. I, I think he's just feeling that guilt because he left. And when she knew she was like worried about Gil, like you heard her being worried and he didn't do anything. So I feel like that's, he's literally yeah. just that. Even though he had like a hunch of what he's capable of and he just like left. I mean, most likely this is just for dramatics. Like Tora, my, my boy, say she's dead and it's my fault. Don't say she's dead and I killed her because that implies agency. <laughs> I know it's like it's terrible it, it's it's very traumatic for Tora like okay, Tora is not this kind of guy who like I'll tell you what you know what it reminds me of it reminds me a little bit of Kieran in uh because he's like so over dramatic and he's so like histrionic so that's what it reminds me of and he's getting emotional like I pointed this out someone on Patreon I forgot who pointed out that he's being vulnerable like he's showing his feelings to Poppy like he's bending over and he's admitting defeat and he's probably going to talk now about his feelings of guilt um because we presume you know uh feelings of unplaced guilt 
but this is him like really opening up and showing a weak like weak his weaknesses yeah but why the guilt specifically for this like just because he has killed a lot of people <laughs> i think it's you know selective guilt which is like okay compartmentalize this is you know what i have to do kill these people and not gonna think about it because it's too painful and this one you know oh she's a person and i got to hear her especially also because he doesn't have a mother and he got to hear her like talking to his her her baby and you know she made a dinosaur for him which he then mm-hmm. had a memory of him you know playing with dinosaurs as a kid so i think that you know it tugs on his emotions laura what are your thoughts you're basically saying everything that i was thinking yeah um I don't, I don't know that he knew that she was dead until Poppy told him that Louise was missing. And I think from there, he connected the dots that she's actually dead. Gil actually killed her. Um, and then from there, he jumped to the fact that he could have done something to prevent that and feels really guilty that he didn't. Um, yeah, same, same as Unity. I don't think that Torah was, would have been around Gil and his wife having a fight, having a scuffle, and not stepped in because he was like pursuing Gil and trying to, trying to like nab it, you know, trying <laughs> to get after him. Um, so if if Cora was like anywhere near Gil, I feel like he would have gone after him physically. He was him, right? Remember he was trying to sniper him. So yeah, you just wanted to be dead. Cora was trying to sniper Gil. Yeah, remember that day when you left her from the coffee shop. Uh, he left Poppy at the coffee shop, and so he was trying to sniper her. In those episodes, we see him trying to shoot, and he's like, "Oh, there's too many people. I can't get him." Wait a second. What if he thinks he accidentally shot her, or something? Would that be because he was basically blacked out, like he was not. Yeah, but he didn't. He never ever got a shot at Gil. Like he was following him around, but he never actually shot because um, there were too many people. But I mean, maybe there's something we didn't see in the comic yet. Yeah. But uh, that would be <laughs> no, no, that doesn't make any sense because it, from the way Gil talks to his wife, it's not like he's surprised that she's sitting there dead in this apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I just hope that this is only a cliff for us. You know, like I hope Lily's just doing this to us, be like, got you, you know. And that Poppy and Tor are going to talk about it. And he's going to explain what he means. Because, I mean, up to this point, does Poppy know that he kills people? I think she infers it. Like us. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's even a debate within the fandom. I saw, like, on Facebook, people were saying, like, um, oh, you know, y'all are like, oh, no, you didn't kill her. But, like, no, worry, he, so he, you know, he obviously is a killer because he's in the mafia. And some people were like, no, we never saw him kill anyone. So we don't know for sure he kills people. And I'm like, you know, I think it's pretty obvious he did kill people. But you're right. We never saw him kill anyone in the mafia. I think it's just heavily implied that as a mafia person, that's part of his job. Especially when, you know, he's the enforcer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I we saw Vincent slice someone's neck like it's nothing. I don't think he well, yeah, no, yeah. I don't think he would I don't think he would do all of this like training of Torah and like breaking him to make him shoot people in the leg, especially because when Torah was on that mission, mm-hmm. um, before they went to Regina's Peak, 
Vincent was so mad that he didn't kill them and he only like maimed them. So to me, that heavily implies that the kind of order Sora gets are, I mean, murders. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. But we don't know if Poppy knows hmm. or if Poppy's in denial about it or. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. So I think, yeah, kind of going off of what you were saying earlier, Mindy, this is a really vulnerable point for Tora. And he's, this hopefully will lead to a, a much more in depth conversation about his life and what he means. And Poppy will understand where he's coming from and like what his life is actually like in the Baltimore Mafia. Yeah. <laughs> this is the point where I hear my husband like in my head because every time I talk about like Thor and Kieran, he's like, why are they with them? They're murderers. <laughs> it's like, he's like, he's like, I would not touch them with like a million foot pole. But yeah, I mean, this is the point. nice to dream. What? It's nice to dream. Like, you can pretend like in real reality, you wouldn't, you know? So that's why we do this in our stories. Like, we think about them in our stories, you know? Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I, what the, the thing I like about it is that it shows that for some people, this is the reality. You know, some people are not born into privileged lives and, and they have to live lives where they're violent. So, you know, we might be lucky that we, we aren't in that kind of world, but many people are born like that into that world. Yeah. Yeah, but my fiance is the same. He's like, he's a killer. How can you like make this romantic? <laughs> then I'm like, you know, he watches action movies mm-hmm. where the guys are just like killing people as well, and then they get with the hot girls. So I don't think that's any different. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there are real life people, women who will write to prison inmates that have done horrific things and have like romantic relationships with them even though they've done horrific things yeah but like they weren't in a relationship before or yes yeah Uh uh-huh yeah Hmm. yeah so i don't know i remember i don't know if you if it came to you in uh in in holland but there was this mugshot of this like really really beautiful um prisoner and i don't know what he did i think it was something violent i don't remember exactly what it was and like his picture, went, his mugshot went viral because he was gorgeous and he got modeling contracts afterwards. Oh yeah, I think but, I remember. And I was like, okay. I, I was like, yes, he's very pretty. And, but no, I have no interest in any personal relationship with this guy. <laughs> Forget the married part, but you know, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, like in, in certain industries, there's a lot of blind eyes turned. And I think that's changing and it's good. I mean, honestly, the this crazy Johnny Depp yes. <laughs> trial is very indicative of that. And to be honest, I think they're both terribly toxic, even though, you know, I think, I think Amber and her lawyer's performance is god awful. And, you know, still some of the texts and evidences we've seen of Johnny Depp was not not favorable as well right so for me it's not like a black and white thing I definitely don't think she's the victim I also don't think that he is an unproblematic person but because he's 
the more accomplished actor, I think a lot of people would give him a pass even, you know, even if he was the perpetrator, because I remember when this first came out and she was first accusing him, a lot of people were like, yeah, but he's such a good actor, you know? And I was like, okay, but he's like, apparently a sexual assaulter. And okay, it was, you know, most likely a false claim, but at the same time, we should take it seriously. And we shouldn't just turn a blind eye to the things people are doing just because they're talented or beautiful or rich or whatever, right? It's important and you should always first believe the victim. And obviously, <laughs> I don't think we would be as into the story if Torah wasn't dropped at gorgeous, six foot three, <laughs> like beauty. So yeah, you gotta take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, like this is a story, you know? And we do dissect it critically. Yeah. No, I, we talk a lot about the role of beauty because beauty makes people, it, may, it turns off a, a critical factor in their brain. You know, it's just, you're inclined to love that person because when they're, they're beautiful. And yeah, and I completely agree with what you said, Sharon, about like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I had not been following it too closely. I've just been, you know, hearing it's, it's yeah. around. But like I said to my husband, I'm like, if I was a director, I would be like, I don't care if it's, you know, yeah, if you're an amazing actor, but like, I don't want people like you on my set, neither of them. I'm like, no, you're nasty yeah. people. And I don't want, like, this is not the kind of person I want to work with. Yeah. <laughs> Find another job. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It would be nice if more people had similar integrity. But I think we're slowly moving in that direction. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact we're having this conversation at all, I don't think in 2005 we would have been. We would have probably taken like a skinny actress and talked about how fat she is because that was the trend back then. <laughs> so I, I appreciate where things have turned. And I wish I hadn't been a teenager when times were a lot worse. Oh. Yeah, well, you seem to have a mature understanding now, so... Yeah. <laughs> still affects me like as an adult but like in my own perception you know very good at uplifting others by now but it's hard when you've internalized like trash talking yourself and stuff but anyway this is a whole tangent which <laughs> doesn't have much to do actually does have something to do with the comic though because poppy i love her and it's one of the first times that i've actually like absolutely loved protagonist that looks very similar to me in terms of like body type mm-hmm. and I love Lily for that I think that's amazing yeah it's definitely helped me I know um I think I told about this also because I remember growing up I used to look at myself in the mirror I remember being in high school I was like 14 and I saw myself as being like fat and I looked back at my pictures and I was like so skinny I was like what was wrong with me I saw my best friend me and my best friend and I was like, my friend Giddy, she's super skinny and I'm very fat. And now I look at the pictures, we're literally the exact same size, but like we're yeah. super skinny, like young teenagers. And now I filled out and like, I'm, I think I'm kind of curvy. And I always thought that was a negative thing. And then when I got married, my husband was like, he loved my curves. He's like, I love it. It's great. He's like, I mean, he very yeah. physically showed me. And I was like, it totally rewired how I thought of myself. And now I think of myself, like, oh, I'm so curvy. It's great. Whereas before I was always embarrassed and I was like, trying to hide myself. Yeah. So, <laughs> It was the same for me because I've always been big, like bigger chested 
And you always feel like you have to cover yourself up, right? Because if I take, if I wear the same like deep cut shirt that someone wears who has a much smaller chest, it's indecent on me, <laughs> you know, because you can see cleavage. Um, but yeah, I feel like we we grew up in a similar environment when we were younger and there was a lot of like fat shaming at the time. I also used to be like 115 pounds and have like a little belly pouch. And I was like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And I'm the ugliest person I've ever seen. <laughs> and now I weigh so much more and I am much better at loving myself, which is good. And like comics like this really help. It's the representation. It's the fact that we are seeing more media that embraces this instead of tries to show us that, yeah, we should be tiny. And Sorry, Laura, it's like a huge tendon. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's all related. And just kind of piggybacking off of that, like Poppy's curves are celebrated in the comics. Yeah. <laughs> Cora and Quincy are both attracted to her big butt, you know? Yeah. And to me, the thing that stood out the most was when they were at Alice's and Taurus, like, there's nothing wrong with your body. She's like, yeah, I actually think so as well. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of the early sweet moments. Uh-huh. There are a lot of those in that comic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And hopefully this last thing will lead to more sweet moments. Like, you know, bittersweet maybe because it's a really heavy conversation but hopefully it'll bring them closer it looks like we might be in for a rough few chapters i wonder how poppy will react right i mean will she freak out or will she be even like stay stick around long enough to, to hear him hopefully explain himself and maybe comfort him i mean where would she run to <laughs> the ghost right it's just worse <laughs> outside <laughs> Quincy. You know, oh, oh, that would be bad. She runs to Quincy. Um, I hope not. I hope it's not going to go to that side of the drama. I mean, if she would run out, like off the compound, she could run into Inspector Lane because apparently Lane's on holiday or something there. Oh, that would be so bad because that Tori would feel so betrayed. What if she runs to Lane? She's like, oh my God, Tori killed whatever. You know, Louise. That would be terrible. <laughs> It definitely does sound like not this comic. I don't know. I hope they'll, I hope they'll talk, but they are in like a fragile place right now. Like she just decided to talk to him again. Like Tora, choose your words better, man, unless you actually did kill her. But if you didn't, just don't be so dramatic. He reads plenty of Quincy's books, I'm sure. I'm sure they're filled with those like soap opera moments. You know, it's like, no, Francesca, I don't like you. And then the next episode, it's like, I love no, Francesca, I don't like you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> For a whole week, people were like, he doesn't like her. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a difficult webtoon cliffhanger where like the audience knows, but like they're just in case cliffhanging, you know? <laughs> the problem is though, like, see, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, we know it's nothing serious. But then I'm like, it is Lily and I would trust her and you know also celebrate her a little bit for really gut punching us to be honest mm. like maybe he didn't outright kill her but he could have been involved somehow I'm still holding on to that it's not that that's what I want to have happened but it would be the unexpected choice <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm excited to find out
Um, any other thoughts on the episode? I'd, I'd like to do a bonus question afterwards, if you don't mind, but anything else on the episode before we finish up? Yeah, yeah, just real quick. Um, so they were talking about Louise at the end and how she's dead. Um, and maybe when I was talking earlier about mm. the ghost, maybe it's Louise coming after them. I don't know. Maybe mm. her little spirit is following them to the house and telling them to leave. Huh. Now I feel creeped out, though. Why would you tell them to go? Was it? Uh, I don't know. Go after Gil? Gil? Get away from this case? I don't know. Or Gil's on onto them. Oh. Ooh. One second. If it was Gil, though, Gil would, I think Gil would just try to kill them. <laughs> like, outright. I don't think he would just, like, like, go. No, I meant, like, maybe Louise is saying go because Gil's onto them. Oh, I see. Like, warning them. Well, I, fe- I feel like she should be more specific. <laughs> I need help with not Louise because that's giving me, like, actual chills. And I'm like, I have the urge now to look over my shoulder. Hey, this, this is, I don't watch horror or anything or thriller. I cannot. I cannot. So the theory I read about the ghost, and I mean, yeah, I haven't listened to the last couple of podcast episodes, so maybe this has been discussed, um, but that it could be like related to those spirits that like Ulan could commune with. Uh, the Okuri on something? On, on... Rionri? Yeah. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue and I don't remember the order of the syllables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, apparently people were wondering if that's like related to it. Mm. Or even if it, I think somebody even was even like, oh, this could be Ulan <laughs> trying to talk to Tora. But the question is still why it says go. Yeah, I thought it was Tora pulling a practical joke, but this chapter confirmed that it wasn't. Mm. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out more. I hope so. All right, ready to do the bonus question? Yes. Thank you to my current patrons. Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Jenny, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe Michelle, Saucy Tuggles, Anne Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Patty, Imelda, Esther, and Watching People, Doris, Poppy, Seed, Marie, Emily, Jean, Jen, Erin, Kate, Lily, Beckett, Saranda, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Daniel, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Dan, Tatiana, and Louisa. Your support is truly appreciated.